I'm reading today from uh, John chapter 15, verse 7. How many could guess that? Amen. I, I, I have just been living here because I don't believe, I don't believe we're, we're experiencing a fullness. As we unpack this little by little, I, I believe that we're going to finally come to the fullness. And today, hopefully, hopefully today, we're going we're gonna to kind of open, un, we're going to kind of unwrap this thing and uh, really begin to understand it, begin to understand what God is, is saying to us. In so many places, I, I went through uh, yesterday just looking at different places where Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives, everyone that seeks finds, and everyone that knocks the door is open to him. Again, he said, whatever you ask in prayer, believing and doubting not, it'll be done for you. You know, very positive, very absolute. And uh, Jesus believed what he was saying, and he, he believed in prayer. He believed in, in uh, his ability. He said, he said, after I leave, ask. But you're going to be asking differently. He said, I'm not going to tell you that you have to pray to me, and I'm going to try to get God to do something. That, that's, that's Snyder commentary. But he said, I'm not going to tell you that I will... I will mediate for you or, or go to God and say, God, this people. He said, you're going to be praying and asking straight to the Father in my name. And the Father who hears you and loves you and hears you will give to you. So very positive, very um, absolute in what he was saying and what he was teaching. And a lot of times we don't experience that. We don't experience the absoluteness of the Word of God in our lives. And I, I, I hope we, we begin to understand this more as we, as we go through this. There is, there is a, a declaration or an asking in faith that has power. And there is asking in desperation that, that does not have power. It is, it is, God, you know, feel sorry for me and answer my prayer. God, God does that's not, you know, Jesus moved with compassion, but what brought him to answers was faith. When people, let's read this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Last Sunday, we talked about the different types of desires and spent a lot of time on desires that take away from us, desires that are wrong, desires that are, are corrupt. And in the day we're living, there are the, that's, what, that's what everything is based on is desires. We are constantly being combated with, with desires. And uh, people say, well, I have these desires so that's who I am. When we start equating our identity with our desires, we have just lost ourselves and we have just failed as a human being. Because when we, have, when we guide our lives by the desires that we have, then our lives will always come to destruction and will always destroy someone else. You know, the, all, anyway, our, our, our public arena today is being uh, controlled by people's desires. When Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Amen. So we have to confront the desires in our life that are wrong, that aren't right. Just because you have a desire doesn't mean that's who you are. Amen. If I have the desire to bark like a dog, that doesn't mean I'm a dog. Amen. But in today's mentality, it does mean you're a dog. And people, I have actually seen people walking on their hands and knees with leashes around their necks and people guiding them because they identified as a dog. Listen. 
Let the dogs be the dogs and let the humans be the humans. Come on, somebody. Now, don't, don't get upset if you think I'm picking on Fifi this morning. Sister Betty's always telling me, don't get on people's animals. As tight as that got right there, I can tell that's a, that's a really rough issue right there. All right. Don't raise your eyebrows at me. I'm getting off of it. <laughs> but Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire or what you will. And he says, and it shall be done for you. I like that part. I like the, and it shall be done for you. Amen. I have, I have received a lot of answers to prayer in that way. Just simply making my declaration what I believe. Amen. Now, I realize it's hard to explain a lot of this stuff, but there's been a lot of times in my life that I've just simply blurted things out to God and they happen. Didn't spend a lot of time. Amen. We had, we had some, uh, Austin had some student loans uh, from college and they got, really got messed up. It was a government loan and if you want to get stuff messed up, you let the government take care of it. And they, they completely messed up the paperwork. And when it was all said and done, I was supposed to be the co-signer. When it was all said and done, Austin wasn't even on it. It was my loans. I, I was in debt. And uh, I don't know how that happened. And then there was a loan that, that wasn't even in the reports that we got. And so we wasn't paying on them because we didn't know about it. We were paying on what we knew about. And finally, I get a call from a debt collector about this loan that we wasn't paying on. And I said, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. You know how they do. They, they get real, you know, like bullies and all that kind of stuff, which that doesn't faze me. I mean, good night. You can, you can try to talk tough to me all you want to, and I'm, just gonna, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, anyway. <laughs> I give them my address if they want to come talk to me. I mean, you know. But this guy's getting real tough with me, and you're going to pay this, and we're we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I said, I need I need you to just just be quiet for a minute. I said, I don't know what loan you're talking about. I don't have record of this loan, and and I need to to understand what's going on. And he. And, uh, you know, so I started trying to get hold of the company or the organization that these loans were through, and I couldn't get a hold of a human being. And the, the password they gave me for our account wouldn't work. So I was completely shut out of being able to reconcile this thing. And so I kept trying to reconcile, kept trying to figure out how to get a hold of these people, kept, trying, kept using what they'd give me. Nothing worked. Well, come to find out, they'd been charging me interest this whole time, and the interest and penalties were $10,000, just the interest and penalties for one year, one year. And so this debt collector called me back and started getting real tough with me, and I, I just told him, I said, buddy, nothing you, you normally works on other people, that's not going to work on me trying to bully me and trying to get mean and tough, you know. That ain't going to, if you want to meet in person, let's meet in person. I'll talk to you. But I said, don't try to bully me on the phone. I said, I need you to be quiet and give me a phone number that actually works so that I can talk. Who was it called you? You give me that number so I can talk to these people. He said, I'm not going to do that. I said, yes, you are. I told you to be quiet. I said, the only thing I want to hear out of you is a phone number. Now, give me the phone number. He gave me the phone number. I called him up, and they refused. I told him, I said, you can't charge me interest and penalties and something you didn't, that, that you haven't even been, it hasn't even been on our report. That, you know, long story short, they refused and ended up, you know, it, oh, man. 
you know, the interest is just eating us up. And so we re, re uh, what do you call it? Refinanced it, trying to get the interest rates down, trying to do all kinds of stuff. And finally, Austin come in one day. He said, Dad, I think I found a place that has cheaper interest rates, and, and I think we can do, do a little better. And I just stopped. I said, no. I'm not borrowing any more money. I'm not making any more payments. I'm paying this off. And I just got up and left the room with Austin and Betty standing there going, like, where, where'd you come up with that much money? And I just made my statement. And that's the way it was. And when I prayed, I said, God, this thing is done. I will not be harassed. I will not be stolen from. This thing is done. I curse this thief in Jesus' name. And a short time later, those bills were paid in full in a totally unexpected way. Every penny paid off. You say, well, how does that work? Well, we're going to talk about that today. When Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, it's not about just standing on a scripture. It's about the word being you, in you, which means it is now your identity. It is your personality. It's how you move. It's how you think. It has become who you are. I'm not talking about just grabbing a scripture and quoting it every day and trying to memorize. I'm talking about it becoming your DNA in your daily life. Amen. So when we, when we go before God in prayer, a lot of times our prayers are in need and desperation instead of proclamation. What does the word of God say? What does God say? What do you understand the nature of God enough to know that God really wants to do this? Amen. Most of the time we feel like somehow we've got to trick God into it, manipulate God into it, sympathy into it, whatever it takes, we've got to somehow get God to answer this prayer. I learned this early on through a lot of loss, that it's not desperation that gets our prayers answered. It is faith declarations that get our prayers answered. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's let's jump, let's just jump, let's jump off the high dive right into this. In Matthew chapter 15, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 15. Man, I started about I started talking about cursing the thief and I'm ready to fight now. <laughs> Amen. Ready to take, take this thing on. Praise God. Everybody say this with me. Thief, you are cursed in my life. You will not manipulate me. You will not bully me. You will not take from me the blessings that God's given me. Amen. Hallelujah. That makes me feel better. I got to get a little relief there. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. And Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Amen. Now, we start out with impossibility. This is an impossible situation. This girl is demon-possessed. There's nobody that can help her. And they are not even, they are not even part of the religious covenant of that day that could give them any help. In the Jewish faith, in the they, they actually had those who would do exorcisms. It was a religious thing. And of course, we find out with Paul that, that some of them, some of them was, was failing miserably, and they, they tried to use the name that Paul teaches, and, and, uh, and they kind of got whipped, you know, just, 
it, it didn't work too good. So there wasn't a lot of help. This, this mom was in an impossible situation. But she began to hear about somebody that took the impossible and made it possible. Somebody that bridged that gap between what could not happen and what can happen. And so she came to Jesus, even though she had no access to the covenant of the Jews, she came to Jesus and she said, and behold, a woman came to my daughter demon possessed, verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. Now look, this is desperation praying. She's crying after him, but Jesus answers her not a word. Oh, come on, somebody. We got we to gotta get this. And so she's crying out. She's desperate. She needs help. It's an impossible situation, but she's coming to somebody that has been rumored to bridge the gap between the impossible and the possible. In verse 24, but he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him. Come on, somebody. Woo! Sometimes we got to stop needing and just shut it all down and get before God and start worshiping a little bit. Amen. Oh, it makes a huge difference. She come and worshiped him. She didn't even know how to worship. She wasn't even trained in worship. She wasn't part of the synagogues, but she came and began to worship him. In other words, she came and began to yield to him and acknowledge him as the almighty, the creator, the Lord of all, the king of kings. You are the one that can help. You're the one that has the power. I worship you. And she began to worship him and, and Jesus said then then she came and worshiped him saying lord help me but he answered and said it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs and she said yes lord yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table Oh, come on, somebody. All of a sudden, that which is impossible is becoming possible. And now she is bridging the gap into probable. Now, now she's starting to get into the place where, hey, this might be probable. It, it's not impossible now. We've, we went from impossible, and now we've moved into possible. And now she's moving from possible to probable. And she said, I might not be of the covenant. I might not have right to this, but I'm going to stay here under your table until some crumbs fall off your table. And I'm going to eat those crumbs because I have the right to at least eat off the floor what the everybody else doesn't want. And I'm going to give myself to that. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, oh, woman, great is your faith. And all of a sudden, what was impossible moved to possible and then became probable. And now it is present. Jesus said, your faith is great. You've got what you want. And her daughter was immediately released and healed. All Jesus had to do is say, you've got it. You've got it. And all of a sudden, the power and presence of God, that which she asked for became present. See, most of us never get to present. We talk about that it's possible. God can do this. We, we quote 
in the book of Mark chapter 9, verse 23. It says, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. All things are possible to him who believes. Glory. I want to read the rest of that verse. I was going to read it off screen, but somehow you got horses up there. That was a good song, though. <laughs> Mark 9, 23, all things are possible to him who believes. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a lot of words for one verse. Jesus told them, they was, they was talking about, why couldn't we heal this boy that was possessed of, of the demon? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I want you to notice something. He said, all things are possible, okay? A lot of us live in the realm of possible. We, we have to get there. We have to accept the fact that God can take that which is impossible and bring it into possibility for our lives. And we believe that. All things are possible to him who believes. And so we, we quote the verses and we, we believe, God, it's possible for you to do this. But believe it is possible doesn't mean you're going to walk in it. Okay? Because the possible means that God has bridged the gap from impossible to possible. It's the same as the presence of God. I got to tell you, I was over here worshiping a while ago. And <laughs> this is what I heard in my spirit. This house is being built for my glory. I heard that in my spirit. Holy Spirit talking. He said, this house is being built for my glory. Every church has an identity, and that's the identity that God is bringing to this place. This house is being built to house my glory. Hallelujah. That means we're going to be an odd bunch. Amen. That means we're not going to do things like normal. And, and it's, it's going to be different. And we are different. I, I realize we're different. Been, been several years ago, God told me just to show, shut down all of our programs, to stop doing it. And I didn't understand it. And it's been years we've just, we've just stumbled through trying to figure out. And yet we've been building toward this all this time. We've been building toward this. And now God's bringing us to the place where he's saying, I am building this house to, to hold, to hold my glory. Amen. That's not for us. That's for everybody in this region. That's for everybody that's hungry. They can come here and get touched by the presence of God, get, feel the glory of God, and then go back and, and minister in whatever place God has them, a power-producing station, a place of rest, a place of restoration and reconciliation, a place where people can come and get hold of the glory of God for a while and take it back. Are you listen to me this morning but this doesn't come because we think it's possible because it is possible but we could spend the rest of our lives talking about how possible this is God has made it possible we can dream we can fantasize we can talk about it but that doesn't mean it's ever going to happen amen I'm, 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 I'm going back and forth between pastor, teacher, and apostle prophet, and I just can't find my place here. <laughs> we, I believe all things are possible because that's what the Word of God says. I believe it's possible. Jesus said, again, in Mark chapter 10, verses 23 through 10, uh, 27, let's read that. 
Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now notice he said those that trust in riches. Verse 26, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who can be saved? But Jesus said, he looked at them and said, with men it is impossible. But with but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Jesus said in the natural it's impossible. But the natural isn't what dictates the body of Christ or the kingdom of God. It is the spiritual that dictates the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. That means that you can have riches and flow in the things of God and still go to heaven if you trust in God and know where your place is and know what is flowing. Are you listening to me? God is not trying to withhold from us. He's trying to get us to release our trust from the carnal into the spiritual. With God, this is impossible. Or with man, this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible to, with God. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now in these script in these verses, we have went from possible to probable and now Jesus is saying, but you've got to receive it in the present. There's a lot of things that we could ask for that's possible but not probable for you. And we need to have wisdom in that. We got to go through this process with everything, but I got to tell you something. Sometimes we ask in a distorted way. You could, you could start praying right now for God to make you an engineer for NASA. But if you struggle with basic math, that's the answer that's not probable. First, you got to believe and pray for God to give you a genius level of math. Amen. Amen. Now, if God gives you that goal, then you have to go through the process. Impossible to possible to probable to present. Now, if we go to, if we get past the part of impossible to possible, that's great. Our faith has increased. But then we've got to believe that it's probable and we've got to start taking steps to make it probable in our life. In other words, you have to start positioning yourself for that. I heard I think it was T.D. Jakes one time talk about the man who, was, who laid at, at, uh, on Solomon's porch for, for, what was it, 38 years? And he was teaching on, on business, actually. And he said, my problem with this guy is that he laid there for 38 years and never worked to position himself closer to the pool. And I really, that really rung in my spirit. Because for 38 years, 
He never tried to get close enough that when the water starts stirring, he'd just fall in. In other words, he never went from possible. Now, it was possible for him to be healed if he got in the water when it was stirred. But he never positioned himself to make it probable. And we as Christian people, we wait for demand to be put on our life, and then we start trying to believe it's possible. And we try to start believing it's probable. But we have a hard time getting to present. It is present right now. Probable. If, if that guy would have, if he would have had this mindset, every year he would have tried to have get people to position him a little closer to the pool. You know? And Jesus walked up to him and said, do you want to be healed? That sounds like a stupid question, doesn't it? I mean, the guy's laying there lame for 38 years, and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? You know why? Because there's a lot of people have the mentality that I just need a better couch. I just need my life to be a little more comfortable in the shape I'm in. Oh, man, it's getting tight now. God, I just, I just need you to meet my needs. We need to get beyond meeting our needs to having him present with us. Amen. Matter of fact, when you have him present with you, he will even give you the desires of your heart. Amen. You know, a lot of people have seen their faith has seemingly waned since during this COVID-19 thing, you know. So many people are getting sick. But I got to tell you something, that doesn't mean our faith has waned. We've, we have battled through and we've won. We have won. And it makes the government mad that we've won because we're taking the desperation out of it. Every person that battles through this thing and wins... And we won. Amen. <laughs> I battled this stinging thing for three weeks. But there's a reason I never ended up in the hospital. And that's because people was praying and declaring faith. And we were declaring the word of God. Days that I was incoherent, didn't have enough oxygen going to my brain to even function and totally incoherent. Betty said that I just, I just mumbled all the time. She told me later, she said, you just, you just moaned and mumbled. I said, honey, I wasn't moaning and mumbling. I was prophesying and talking in tongues. I was praying. I was praying in the spirit. Amen. Come on, somebody. It might have sounded like gibberish, but I was, I was praying and my, my spirit was praying inside of me. Amen. We ain't lost anything. Amen. I, I, just, I just want to shake the church today and say, get rid of this loser mentality. My goodness. We are not losers. We are not losers. Amen. I mean, I, I want President Trump, I really do. I want President Trump to win this thing finally. I, I want to come out. You know why? Because it's going to be a whole lot easier than dealing with Kamala Harris, who has already declared war on the church. You know, I ain't got nothing against her, or, but I have a lot against what she's saying. She said it's time for these, these dumb knuckle-dragger preachers to be put in their place. In other words, you know, apes. And I felt like saying, honey, there's a lot of these knuckle-dragger preachers got a whole lot more sense than you got. 
Amen. We, we don't want to be at war. But since when has the body of Christ backed down? Since when do we say, oh, no? They don't like us. What can we do? We got to get rid of this loser mentality. We are not losers. We have come from impossible to possible. And now it's probable. But I'm telling you something. We are heading to present. We're heading to present. He is present with us. And the body of Christ is heading that way. You know how I know that? Because people are gathering and praying. Amen. We believing that it's probable is a good step. Coming to the place where we we begin to believe this is probably going to happen. This is probably going to happen. That's a good. That's a good step. Amen. Because once you get to probable. There's one more step, and it is present. The answer is present with me. I have the answer with me. Amen. I have not been abandoned as an orphan. I have, the pre I have his presence with me. I have his word with me. I have the answer to my prayers with me. Hallelujah. God is with me. Amen. I just can I just say that again? <laughs> we come to the place where we stop saying it's possible and this might happen, and we get to the place where we begin to say, I have it. This is present with me. I know I possess it. It's mine. I possess this. Oh, so many. Prayers have been, I told, did, did I say it here? I know I told, um, I forget where I was at when I said this. I said, everybody talking about 2020, been such a terrible year. I have not experienced it as a terrible year. We have met a lot of challenges. But I have seen so many miracles. I have seen so many answers to prayer. I've seen God present with us stronger than it has been before, and I can't believe that it's a terrible year. I believe it's an awesome year because God is with us. Amen. <laughs> I mean, we were blessed right through this shutdown thing. We never lost anything. We just, the body of Christ needs to know who is with them. I just want to go back and start all over again, preach this all over again. <laughs> present. Present. God is present. Amen. I don't understand everything that God does. I don't understand how everything happens. Did you know the day that I got sick, that, that I was sick with COVID? Matter of fact, I think I was sick for a week before I finally, finally crashed because I, th I thought I had allergies. And I kept telling Betty, I kept saying, I never have allergies. I don't know why I got allergies. And I was just sneezing and carrying on. And, and, and I said, I, I normally don't suffer with allergies, but I just got these, you know, I'm just sneezing all the time. I'd go to work, and, and most of the time I worked by, by myself down there until people started coming back to work. And I just sneezed like crazy. And, you know, and just, I thought, what is this? What kind of allergies do I have? And I just kept where I felt fine. I just kept working. And the day that I was running a fever and was really sick, it was so hot, I didn't realize I was running a fever because we was working in the heat. And I knew it didn't feel good, but I thought, I'm just getting too hot. That's why I don't feel good. And I was working around all kinds of people.
I was sharing tools with them. Jim Allen was working with me, and, and we were sharing tools. We were working, around, and I was just sneezing my head off. I ate lunch with a bunch of people right, right next to them. Some of them sitting right beside me at a table. We ate lunch, and, and you know, all this stuff going on. And, and I went home that night and started, started chilling, and, and it hit me full force. And you know, not one person that I was working with ever got sick. Not one person. To this day, they haven't got sick. You say, wow, how does that happen? You know, why did God protect all them and not me? You know, I have a theory about that. Of course, y'all know I do. I have to dissect and take everything apart. You know, sometime in the body of Christ, you have to hit the enemy head on and have a fight with him and come out on the other side to prove that he's a loser. I realize that doesn't go along with a lot of theology. But I got to tell you something. There's been a lot of times I've went to the mat with the things that the devil has sent to destroy and got back up. The devil didn't get back up. And I got a testimony today to let you know that he lost. Amen. He lost. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. They told me I was dead for 11 hours on an airplane and I got up. You say, well, how's, why would God let that happen to you? I was doing God's work. Why, why would God let that happen to you and then resurrect you? I have no idea. But I know this. I got up. What was supposed to destroy me did not. I got up because I have a God that said, not now. Get up and get back to work. And I got back up. I don't tell that story a lot because most people wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't have believed it if people on the airplane hadn't, hadn't been absolute about it. <laughs> I kept trying to convince them that I was fine. They said, no, you're not fine. You died. You was dead. You haven't breathed. You haven't moved for 11 hours. We checked you. There was nothing. You was not breathing. You didn't move. You were dead. And they just kept saying, I kept saying, no, I was just asleep. And they said, no, you were not asleep. We checked you. The flight attendant said, just leave him alone. Don't say anything to the people around me. When we land, we'll get everybody off the plane and we'll have the paramedics come and remove him. That's what they told the people around him. And here we come landing and I'm laying over there, haven't moved, haven't breathed for 11 hours. And all of a sudden I sit up and look at the guy next to me. He came apart. He was trying to get out of his seat. He had a seat buck buckled, and he was trying to get up. And, and I said, what are you doing? Scared him. Because all of a sudden, I just sit up and looked at him. He was a guy from Australia. And I, I said, what are you doing? What's wrong? He said, you died. And I said, no, I'm fine. He said, no, you're dead. I said, no, I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. I was just asleep. No, you were not. I had the flight attendants come and check you. That's impossible. But I serve a Lord that took impossible and made it possible. And then I moved into probable because I have a relationship with him. Not only do I have a relationship with him, but he was present with me at that time and in me. And when it came time for me to get up and go back to work, he said, all right, get up. And I took a breath in and sit up and begin to breathe again. I got to tell you something. When God is present with you, it's not just possible. It is present. After this many years, I guess I can talk about that. I've, I've kept it quiet for a long time because I, I kept saying that and nobody will ever believe that. 
I wish I'd have had a f one of the phones we got today because I would have recorded these people. You know, okay, now tell me again what happened. You understand what I'm talking about? See, present. Jesus said, if you believe, if you, those that ask, speak to the mountain to be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, now look at that. That's probable and present. He believes that whatever things he says will be done. But then he says he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have. Oh, as the body of Christ, we got to get to the half point. Amen. We got to get to the place where I, I have. Amen. I have. I was talking to Sister Val this morning about, about how we're, we're, we're learning to move out of the vacuum and into the flow. See, most, most church services and most prayers and most meetings are in a vacuum. And that's why they seem so hard. That's why it seems like we're, we're pulling. We're trying to get... We're, we're pulling at God. We're trying to get something. We're fighting against the atmosphere. And we're in a vacuum. And we pray out of a vacuum. We preach out of a vacuum. We talk out of a vacuum. And because we're always pulling in, pulling in, we're trying to get, we're trying to get something from God. I got to tell you something. I never come here on Sunday morning trying to pull something out of God. I come here on Sunday morning ready to gush forth because I have done filled up. And now I just get to gush out, flow. If you preach in a vacuum, it's, you struggle. And I do that sometimes. Sometimes I'll, I'll be preaching and I'll start getting a little insecure about whether I'm communicating right or properly, and I feel that vacuum happen. But we got to get back to the flow. In other words, we're not, we're not going around trying to get something from God. We are the river. We are the river of life. There'll be a well springing up inside of you. Amen. Be a river of life. We'll be, oh, we, me and Brother George got talking. He, he brought up capacitor, a capacitor in the last, last uh, prayer meeting last Wednesday. And he started talking about the capacity. We got to talk about this flow. And I got to talk about electricity because I work, I work around electricity and water and steel all the time. And, and that, is, that is very conducive to, to being shocked because everything is, it, you know, anyway. And sometimes I'll find leads that come loose from a boat and they'll fall in the water. Well, water, water is not a, a ground enough to kick the breaker off, so it doesn't short it out. It just feeds into the water. And so I'll find these cords off these boats laying in the water, and if it's a, if it's a, a big boat, it'll be 240 volts of electricity feeding into the water right there. Well, that get... It... it it covers in, in the water with no ground. It goes out about 10 feet from the source. And so with you, if you get within 10 feet of where that electricity is, you start spilling it in your body. You can feel the tingle. Now, you're still okay as long as you don't touch anything that's grounded. Now, if you get too close to it, it's going to get you because you can't take that much electricity. There is enough of a ground in water that it will hurt you. You can take a lead, you can take a multimeter and put the uh, negative into the ground on a receptacle and throw the other lead into the water. It'll register 120 volts. There's enough of a ground 
to register that there's electricity, 120 volts. But there's not enough. It's, it's enough of a conductor that it won't kick the breaker off. And that, that electricity just sits there searching, searching, searching for a ground, searching for a connection. And it's just flowing into that water. And those people's meters going just like this. And then they complain, you know, why is my electric bill so high? Because you're trying to heat the whole lake. You can't heat a whole lake and have a little electric bill. You know, you need to check your connections on your boat. So that, that electricity is just searching for a ground. If you get inside that current and you reach over and touch that dock, the metal part which is grounded, all of a sudden you become the conductor. You become part of the circuit. And so everything that is available in the water starts running through you. So you start getting 240 volts running through your body because now all of a sudden you are a conductor. You are a connection. God created electricity. God works like electricity. Amen. And I've talked, I think it was last Sunday, I was talking about this, and I was talking about, you know, if you're ever around a dock and in the water, always, before you get out, which you shouldn't be swimming around a dock in the first place, always touch it with the back of your hand because if you touch it with the back of your hand, you can get shocked, but you'll be okay. But if you touch it with the front of your hand, it causes the muscles in your, in your hands to, to seize up, and you can't pry yourself loose from it because these muscles work off electricity, and all of a sudden they get, a, they get a, a message that's not coming from your brain, it's coming from somewhere else, and all of a sudden the nerves are activated to lock up those muscles, and you can't release it, you can't let go of it, because you have been hijacked. The nerves in your muscles has been hijacked, and you can't get loose from it, and God is just like that. And I gotta tell you something, the presence of God is swimming around in the atmosphere Sphere all around us, and that, and when we get a hold, we get into the presence of God, and we become that connection. Everything that is available in the water becomes part of us, and starts flowing through us. And as long as we hang on, Amen. which I told him, I said, you know, I I just got to admit something. I, I, I get in that place, and, and without realizing it, I find out that I, I let go and move away because it, it's, you just, it's hard to live there all the time. But we need to get to the point where we can. Amen. There's times I'll unhook, and, I'll, and, and then I'll realize, oh, man, I've done it again. You know, I wore down. I've got to get a hold of that again. Amen. I got I to gotta grab hold again because I want what's available in the atmosphere. That's, that's what we, talk, we call, talk about, the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. See, see that, that electricity in the water is omnipresent. It is, it is all through the water. You can't see it, but it's present. But, but when, you become, when you ground it out, it becomes manifest. You see the effect of it. Hallelujah. And brother George brought up the capacitor. A capacitor, like on an air conditioner, a capacitor on an electric motor, what it does is it stores up energy. It charges up and stores up a whole bunch of voltage. And the purpose for that is when, a, when you need to get that thing rolling, we need to get that motor started. It has a lot of resistance against it. So just turning the switch on and turning electricity to it, it won't start moving. It'll just sit there and burn up. It'll, the, the, the electricity in that armitage will just be, it, it'll burn it up. But you got that capacitor there that is charged up with power that is available to kickstart that thing. And when you turn that on, that capacitor goes bam like that, hits that motor, and that motor goes, whoa. <laughs> and it takes off. 
And then the flow of electricity keeps it going. But it takes a capacitor to get it started. I just got to ask you, where's my capacitors at? Come on, somebody. The church needs some capacitors. When things aren't rolling, that we just kind of, whoa, glory. And all of a sudden, we start rolling. Why? Because we just, we just hit this thing with enough power and voltage to make it work. <laughs> Amen. So we need right desires. We need right desires. We need faith in God's ability that says it's possible and probable. But then we need faith in the present that says it's not only possible, it's not only probable, it is present with me. I'm walking in this thing. Amen. I am walking in this thing. You know, this, this year I've had experiences where just in passing I've said, just all of a sudden I just blurt stuff out. I was like, God, I need this. And that's all I'll say. And a week to two weeks later it shows up. There it is. And it's like, wow, I didn't even travail for that one. What is it? Present. Present. It's present with us. Amen. I don't go around asking for foolish things. Matter of fact, I have a hard time asking for stuff for myself. I mean, you know, that I, but, but we need to. I realize that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I think I'm going to start going around blurting out, God, we need a blow up. We need a Holy Ghost outpouring. Amen. God, we need miracles. Yeah. Thank God. We need healings. Just blurt it out. Amen. I've got to where I do this snap thing. I don't know why I do that. I think Elijah got me started on it. He's always, he's always doing like this. You know, that's how he praises. He snaps his fingers. But I started doing that when I'd pray. It's the strangest thing. I'll, I'll, I'll ask for something, and I'll do like that. It's not demanding God. It's saying it's settled. Amen. Some people clap their hands. There's times I'll be in here, and I, I'm closing, which means absolutely nothing, but it'll make you feel better. There's time. <laughs> That's usually the hint for Valerie to go to the piano and play for 20 minutes before I quit preaching. No, no. I'm <laughs> There's times I'll be in here in auditorium praying, and I'll be asking for something or declaring, just believe in God for something. And for whatever reason, I'll turn around, walk to my office, get the shofar and come back out here and start blowing that shofar right in the church. It's like saying, God, I declare this, I decree yeah. it, and I'm announcing it to be so. Yes. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. God wants to do some stuff in your life. You got to get in line, you got to get in harmony with him and begin to speak it. Say this is what I this is what I need. Amen. I cut, I, cut, I cut wood last Friday, which some of y'all won't think that's a big deal, but that's the first time I've tried to do that since I was supposed to have back surgery last summer. And that's one of the hardest things there is on your lower back is cutting wood because you got to stay bent over all the time cutting. And then you got to split the stuff, and then you got to pick it up. And, and where I live, it's nothing but hills. I mean, you have to carry it up the hill to the pickup. And... 
I did that last Friday. I told Betty, I said, I'm going to go out and try it out. <laughs> and I was able to do it. Amen. I was able to do it. Praise God. I'm supposed to be having surgery to get part of a, part of a disc that blew out of my back that went into my spine and went up in my spinal cord and compressed my spinal cord and pinched the nerves and all this stuff. I'm supposed to be having surgery to have that removed but they can't promise me that I won't be paralyzed when I get finished with it. And I said, well, you're not giving me anything to work with here. I don't, I don't think I want your way. Amen. I don't want your little hands in my spinal cord. Amen. And one morning I was sitting there in, in such pain. I'd been in, in pain. I couldn't get re relief for over two weeks, hadn't, I hadn't slept in, in over two weeks. Couldn't walk. I, I'd, I'd have to get up and try to support myself on, on stuff to try to walk. And then it was so painful that I couldn't hardly do that. And I was sitting there in a chair one morning. After being up all night, just trying to, just trying to work with, with, get some relief, just trying to figure out what to do. And one morning I said, okay, God, you need to show me what I need to do because I'm getting up from here. I'm getting up from here. You need to show me. And God began to work. You say, why did it take two and a half? Well, I don't know. See, that's what we always go to. Why did it have to take so long? Well, if we just get over our self-pity and, and start rejoicing that it happened, I mean, what I'm talking about was impossible, impossible, but then it became possible, and then it became probable, and then one day, I got up, and I went back to work, and when I went back to the doctor, and was supposed to be scheduling surgery, I went back to the doctor, and he said, how you doing? I said, I, I went back to work. He said, you what? I said, yeah, I've been working. I said, I, yesterday I was working off scaffolding, hanging sheetrock all by myself. He said, you shouldn't be doing that. I said, but I did, and I could, and I'm here today, and I can walk. Amen. He said, well, you got to get strength back in that right leg, and you got to get the feeling back in your right leg that was numb. And you got to be able to walk. I fell down a flight of steps because my, my leg got so weak it just crumpled underneath me. And I, I, I rode down wood steps on my shin. Yeah. Which Betty swears I broke my leg, but I refused to go get it x-rayed because I done had enough of that stuff. It looked real funny, but it, it, it's okay today. Took a while. Still has a little, but it's okay. But he said, you got to get strength back in that leg. You got to get, I said, okay, give me some time. He said, you got four weeks. When you, in four weeks, I want to see you. And he said, if you don't have the strength back in that leg, you got to have surgery or you're going to lose the use of that leg. That nerve's going to die and you'll, you'll wear a brace on your leg the rest of your life. And, and I said, oh, I can't do that. I said, I'll see you in four weeks. And I went back and just began to declare who I was and declare what God had given me and declare that I was healed in the name of Jesus. And thank you, God. And I began to do everything I knew to bring health in my body and to reduce inflammation in my body and, and work. And I went back in four weeks and he run me through tests. I, I had strength. Look at that. I can, I can do deep knee bends on that right leg. I couldn't do that. Had to feel the feelings back in my life. I can feel in my leg. Thankfully, it was numb when I went down those steps and it didn't hurt quite so bad. It took about, it took about four months for it to quit hurting, but, but it, it, it was better. You know, I didn't feel it all. Long story short, the, the doctor, when I went back, the doctor said, Praise God, he does heal. And he said, it is so good to be a part of a good story. He said, I don't get good stories. But he said, it's great to be a part of a good story. And I said, man, I'm glad I'm part of it too. Amen. 
I still have I still have discomfort. Sometimes when I stand up too long, I get to hurting. But I got to tell you something. I know my Redeemer lives. I know He's present with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you Are you listening? To stand with me. You got to stand with me. I'm just I just want to keep preaching. Come on, stand with me. Amen. I want to somehow talk us into the point where where everything we need is present right now. Amen. It's present. It's present. Everybody say this with me. The impossible has become possible. The possible has become probable. And now the probable has become present. Amen. It's present with me right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I just ask you today, Lord God, to, to help us. Holy Spirit, help us to grab hold of this. Help me to grab hold of it. Lord, we don't have a grip on this thing like we need to. But Father, I thank you that we are moving into, the, into a present manifestation of the presence of God. Thank you, Father, for your present manifestation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.